0: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the Strong and Capable Podcast. I'm your host, Brigitte Heller. And in this show, we live awake to the world around us so that we can transform our lives and step fearlessly into our divine destiny. Remember, friend, you are strong and capable. Hey, 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 welcome to this episode of The Strong and Capable. I'm your host, Bridget Heller, and I have Mr. Clint Pulver on today. You want to say hey?
1: Hey, what's up? Happy to be here.
0: So happy to have you here. We are talking about being fearless this season, and I was reading through your bio and prepping for the interview, and I was laughing because I thought, what you put as your fearless moment and everything else you've done is all fearless. It just all is. (laughs) I mean... Let's talk about. Let's see your number one best selling book. To write a book, to put it into the world, to have a number one best selling, fearless, fearless. You're a drummer, right? So you've been on tons of stages. You've been in movies. America's Got Talent, fearless, <laughs> like so many levels of fearless here. It's crazy.
1: Wow! Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's. Uh, nah, I I look at it as just fun, <laughs> fun and passion and purpose. And I think that helps to, to combat the times where fear could maybe overpower. Um, but yeah, definitely some stressful things, you know, even being a professional speaker, most people would rather, would rather die. Uh, yeah, I think that's what the stat mm-hmm. says that people would rather die than, than speak in public. So yeah. Um, yeah, definitely to get to the point where you are fearless, there's definitely those valleys of fear that you, you, you go through to get to that point. So yeah, that's a yeah. great observation. Yeah.
0: It's um, I like that you said that these valleys of fear that you go through, because when you have, as you already mentioned, passion and purpose, you're willing to take the trek. You're willing to take the journey. And that's what I'm guessing, led you here. I mean, what made you go on AGT? What what made that one happen?
1: What was the yes, purpose I, there and the passion? So the actual, what happened is I got called by the producer of the show. And I was a drummer and have been a drummer for 23 years. And he, and most people don't know this, but a lot of AGT or, or what you see on any show like that is very, uh, it's very produced. It's very staged. It's very rehearsed. It's very scripted. And so they called me and they said, Hey, we want to bring you out to LA. We want you to film on the show. And we also want you to play the drums on Howie Mandel's head. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, like what, like, how does this work? I, I don't, I don't get it. And they said, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, but we want you, we want you to bring, we want to bring you out. We want to make it kind of look like you're auditioning to some degree. Um, But we want you to come in and play on Howie Mandel's head. And I said, uh, okay. Um, there's uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is the movie we, we bought a zoo and mm-hmm. the general theme in that movie is if you can just have 20 seconds of insane courage it's amazing what you can accomplish and i kind of looked at that opportunity of okay i'm going to i'm going to exercise 20 seconds of insane courage here and i'm going to book a plane ticket and go out and have an adventure and yeah they literally threw me right on the huge national stage and we did this gimmick where it looked like i was playing the drums on these bald guy's heads and mm-hmm. they said well Howie's bald you should play on Howie's head and Howie came up on stage and I smacked Howie's head uh with gloves of course because he's a germaphobe and I played the drums on Howie Mendel's head it was the craziest weirdest thing I've ever been a part of um but so much fun and yeah it was it was a blast to perform on America's Got Talent so
0: that's so cool that's so yeah. random, like you said, but yeah. what a fun opportunity. And because you were like, all right, let's do it. Let's see what comes of this.
1: Yeah. It's cool what can happen when you just stay open, you know, mm-hmm. stay open. You never know when lightning could strike. So,
0: yeah. And when you, I think, release the outcome, right? Like like you said, stay open and just don't attach anything to the end of it.
1: Yeah. And, and just, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but y- nothing ever will happen if you don't, if you don't try right it's in the doing that things get done mm-hmm. and so i love this there's a phrase it's a chinese proverb um it's it's kind of dumb but i i've always loved it uh, there there's two men one man uh one man make, makes a net the other man sits and wishes do you want to bet which one gets the fishes mm-hmm. it's kind of stupid but it kind of is true to some extent, right? Like sometimes we sit back and we go, man, it would be so cool or this would be great or I really would like this or I would love for this to happen. Um, you know, we have these goals and these outcomes that we're hoping for, but sometimes the fear creeps in or the uncertainty or the risk of failure or embarrassment or uh, just, uh, I don't know, some of the fears that can happen in those endeavors and we don't take the chance. We don't make that that risk or that opportunity uh, we don't create that opportunity for something to happen. And I found in my life most good things, most successful things in my life have happened because I, I made the net, right? I, I designed it, took the action and, and pursued that.
0: I really love that you just said that. It was on my mind just this morning because there's this huge movement in anti-hustle culture. And and like don't, you know, don't do the thing, just sit back and let it come to you. And I think there is real, um, trying to think of the word. It is good, again, not to put that intense pressure on yourself, to be open to the journey as we were just talking about. And I feel like that's more of the sit back. It's more of an emotional sit back, but you have to do the thing to make it happen. You have to make the net. And I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, they all, especially women, I feel like really, because they're tired of the hustle. So they want to not do the hustle. Right. And then they're so sad because they've spent thousands of dollars on these coaches and whatnot and nothing's happening and they can't figure out why.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you can either, there's that saying there's, there's, there's two forms of regret. There's either the, the, or the, there's two forms of pain. That's what it is. Two forms of pain. There's the pain of discipline or there's the pain of regret and we can get in hustle culture of just go 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 but are you doing things properly and in the right way and in a balanced way that's going to give you the, the proper results or is it just the mentality of like i ah, just it's never going to happen i'm going to sit back and just and and just keep wishing and that doesn't get any results either um so yeah it, it's those two you know discipline is is needed hustle culture i don't think is necessarily needed discipline is needed there's yeah uh, you probably know who this 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 guy is uh, Bridget the Iron Cowboy have you heard of the Iron Cowboy?
0: Vaguely, but I don't know a lot about the Iron yeah, Cowboy, so go ahead and educate here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the Iron Cowboy he's 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 in he's a rad guy. He he ran fifty two uh, Ironmans, no fifty, excuse me, fifty Ironmans in fifty days in fifty different states. So completely ran a full Ironman distance triathlon every day for 50 days. And then every day did it in a different state in the United States. I mean, unreal. The dude just uh, last year did the Conquer 100, where in one place here in Utah, he he ran 100 Ironmans in 100 days consecutively. Literally did the most... Just an unbelievable thing. And everybody has asked. Um, James and I have, have shared a few stages together. He's a dear friend. We actually talked this last week. And he he gets asked the question all the time. Everyone asks, how'd you do it? How'd you literally do the impossible? How did you do something that was so hard and difficult and demanding and 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 just literally broke his body to pieces? And he gives the same answer every time. And his reply is, all I did was small things consistently over a long period of time. I did the right things consistently over a long period of time. And over time, right? You know this, a little by little makes a little a lot. And that's what creates that progress. It's not about the hustle. It's about disciplined progress in the right direction. Yeah,
0: and you know, it's even in this conversation, I'm thinking that is hustle is fear-based and little movements consistently in the right direction with purpose. That even just doing that removes so much of the fear of where we want to go because we know we're on a path and that brings yep. safety and assurance.
1: Yep. Yep. 100%. how do you de-risk a situation? Like, I think sometimes have you heard that that saying of, you know, burn the ships, right? If you can burn the ships, just burn the ships. I, I burned the ships. Mm-hmm, it's, that, mm-hmm. it's a story about Cortez, and he landed on this island that nobody had ever overtaken. He was a conqueror. He would go from place to place, and they would conquer different cities and purge and plunder and, and seek wealth and gold and riches and just domination. And this one city had never been overtaken and they were completely outnumbered the odds were stacked against them and he signaled while all of the men were on the on the shores he signaled people out on the ships to burn the ships and literally the ships sank in the ocean and the story goes that cortez said you're either gonna you're either gonna conquer we're either gonna make this happen or you're gonna die (laughs) so kind of an intense story and I've always looked at that. And when I hear people tell that story or talk about burning the ships, I always think to myself, how can I, how could I bring the ship in a little closer to the shore before I burn, burn it? <laughs> <laughs> how can I de-risk this situation? And I think, you know, whether that's through preparation, that's through good mentorship, asking the right questions, being extremely uh, st- strategic and and thought out in my processes, that has always allowed me to step into the unknown safer. Um, And and yes, is it still scary? For sure. Is there still fear associated with those things at times? But man, if you can de-risk that situation by bringing the ship in closer where you're walking in very prepared, very conscious of what's going on with a plan, a backup plan, a safety net, and a few good people with you to help make this possible, it makes difficult and hard things a lot more doable, easier, and I think ultimately more successful. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a good lesson to to learn there.
0: You know, I've heard that phrase a bunch of times, never knew the history. So I love that you just shared that because it makes so much sense. And I was thinking about a company that I worked for and I remember our opening like big, hey, we're back. It was a school. So we're back. We're rallying the troops. Let's do this. And the leader, the speaker who I won't name, but said, we're building a a plane and we're taking off and we're still building it as we're taking off. And the person meant it as an empowering, like, let's do this no matter what. But actually the culture, what it brought was fear, 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 fear like yep, at I'm any point cool. this plane is going down because we do not have the things in place that should be in place. Yeah.
1: I I flew helicopters for a long time and and I, I have I'm a pilot so I have my pilot's license went to went through flight school and training and there are about 300 million things that can go wrong on a helicopter in flight. A Helicopter is 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 naturally unstable. It's an unstable machine. It's not meant to fly. It beats the air into submission so that it can fly. Uh, A pilot, I mean, you're flying four things. You've got your hand on the joystick. You've got a collective on, on, on your left hand. You've got rudder pedals. You've got the throttle. I mean, there's so many things going on. There's so many moving pieces. And you could look at that situation and go, it is the most dangerous thing to do in the world. But there are protocols, there are safety regimens, there are pre-flight inspections that just that the the mechanical requirements to keep an aircraft, what we call airworthy are so high. And the thought of like, we're going to build this helicopter as it takes off, we're going to build this plane as it is foolish. It's foolishness Mm -hmm. and ultimately scary and dangerous and the worst thing you could ever do. And so again, how do you de-risk the situation? How do we how do we create an environment of prevention? And if we can do that, that dis that dissipates fear, and all of a sudden, flying becomes fun, becomes beautiful, and it becomes extremely safe. and And that can apply to anything: your dreams, your occupation, your relationships. Um, how can we? You know, not, but not just prevent, but also just be smart about it, be educated about it and, and de-risk the situation.
0: Love it. Love it. So speaking of situations and planes, since we already went there, you have a story and I know you're a storyteller, you're a speaker. That's what we do. So you have this story about when you were on an airplane and something happened. Would you mind telling us about that? Cause I want to know the details on this one.
1: Yeah, I, um, I've always wanted to fly. That was like the biggest dream for me. I was the kid that had every toy helicopter, toy airplane hanging from my ceiling that you could buy from Toys R Us. And as a senior in high school, my goal was to graduate with my pilot's license, not with my diploma as much as I wanted my pilot's license. And I went to, to flight school and it's rigorous. Anybody that's ever gone to flight school, it is not easy. It is tough. It is demanding because it's dangerous, right? A pilot knows every time you take a plane, off and into the air, there's two options at that point. You're either going to land and live to see another day or you're going to crash and burn. I mean, that, that, that's it. Those are, two, those are the two very real options. And so it's very uh, methodical and difficult, but also um, important process to become a pilot. And one of the things that we learn as a pilot are things called emergency procedures. So if there is and ever an accident or an engine failure or something happens, you you study that most pilots crash and die because of pilot error not the airplane's error right if a plane ever gets lost it's usually because of the pilot not the plane um and i'll i'll never forget i went up with my check ride instructor to get my pilot's license you go through two big tests you go through a written exam and then you go through an oral exam with a check ride instructor who goes up in the airplane with you and they grill you for an hour and a half in the air, uh, going over maneuvers, maneuver. And all of a sudden the plane starts to drop and he looks at me and he said, you just lost your engine. What are you going to do? And it's a simulated engine out, but it's extremely dangerous. Uh, there's, there's yeah. You just, you, you go into this mode of like, okay, what am I going to do? And I started to kind of think through things, but I got a little nervous. Uh, you know, my, the check ride guys there and I decided to make the decision to try to turn back to a field behind us, uh, which was not against the wind. It was downwind. And as soon as I made that decision, um, I was probably about five seconds in, I realized that I made the wrong decision. And as I turned that plane, we started to lose altitude. And it dawned on me, we we were going to crash. And the instructor looked at me and he kicked the engine back on and he turned in his seat, looked me right in the eyes. And he said, so I need you to know that you failed. Um, you failed your check ride. And I, I also needed you to know that we would have died because of your decision. We would have crashed. We would have died and you failed at this point. So let's take the plane back home. Let's land and you need to study more, And we'll do this another day. I mean, wow. You could, you could maybe imagine, I mean, just my sadness, my heart. I landed the plane that day and on the tarmac, my whole family was there. Cause that was the day I was going to graduate. That was the day I was supposed to get my wings.
0: Yeah.
1: And my mom and my dad had two big posters. One said, congratulations. The other one said the world's newest pilot. Oh, and I got out and I dropped my head and I had tears in my eyes. And I went up to my family and I said, I failed. I failed. I didn't didn't pass the simulated engine out. And I remembered in that moment that I had really two options. I could have gotten bitter and just quit and just been so frustrated. And I could have said, you know, the dream's just never going to happen. But instead, I decided to refocus, to learn from the failure. And I hit those books as hard as I could. I studied, I studied, I studied. I went up with my instructor and we did simulated engine out after engine out after engine out where I knew the procedures backwards and forwards. And I learned in a more uh, refined and focused way on how to help myself in an emergency procedure more so than I ever had. Because that failure just realigned things, right? Failure has the ability to teach you and to humble you and to realign you in beautiful ways if you let it. Mm-hmm. And so, through that process, I did my due diligence and I went up with that check ride instructor one more time. He did the same thing, and I instantly knew what I needed to do. And we landed that plane, and eventually, I got my pilot's license and uh, graduated and got my wings. Here's the significant part of the story two weeks. After I had graduated as a professional pilot, I took one of my best friends up in an airplane. And I'll never forget this moment when we were flying. We were about 2,000, 3,000 feet in the air, and we lost our engine for reals. This was not a simulated engine out. This was not um, a gimmick. This it was It was happening. The prop went to a complete stop. And I remember in that moment, being so calm, so focused, and I knew exactly what we needed to do. I declared over the radio, Mayday, Mayday, this is Katana 106 Whiskey Alpha. We just had an engine out, air traffic control. Other people said, okay, we're clearing the runway. You've got a, a straight approach. Can you make it to the runway? And I knew exactly my altitude, where I was at, the, the RPMs of the engine, the speed we were traveling across the ground. and we landed, we were able to make it back to the airport and we landed safely. And I believe that I'm alive because I failed. Mm -hmm. And it's true that you fail your way to success.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, um, it was a really, a really cool lesson to embrace failure when it comes and to know that it will come. It happens to everybody. We all make mistakes. Things aren't always perfect, but if you learn from that, uh, it will better you in your life. Um, And I owe my life to that experience of failure.
0: That is incredible. What what a powerful, powerful example of, like you said, failure and learning through failure. And it reminds me of our own little Heller story. I, I call it the worst day in Heller history. Like literally, you know, I have three kids and a husband and this was the worst. This was the worst. And my son, my youngest had a meltdown. And he, I was trying to get him to his room. So I'm like rolling him, like, hey, buddy, let's go. Let's get to your room. And he stuck his arm out, and we heard a snap. And he started screaming at the top of his lungs. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to de escalate. And instead, I've made things way worse. And we were. Thankfully, his arm wasn't broken, but his meltdown was so big that it caused another family member to melt down and another and another until everybody was screaming at each other. And all of our dramas, traumas, offenses, you name it, came all out in one night to like, you know, be faced essentially. And actually the night ended with my youngest holding up a a pen and saying, you cannot talk unless you have the pen. It was, it was funny. Now we can laugh, but it was really, really, really not funny in the moment. It was horrible. And when I woke up the next day, I had tears in my eyes and I thought I am a failure. I have failed at everything because my family to me is first always, and they are a hot mess. They're way even messier than even I can understand. And I have failed, failed, failed. And this is all I, I had running through my head. And the thought came to me, you know, this little whispering was Brigitte, and the other thought was, how can I help other people be strong and capable? How can I teach them how to overcome being such a failure? Right. And the thought came Brigitte, but because you are so broken, because you have failed so many times, this is the thing that makes you sparkle. This is the thing that makes you shine and it's not something that's perfectly created that shines it's something that's broken into a million pieces like glitter which i love <laughs> like it was the most unique thought but it was the thing like exactly like you're saying you have had so many times where you have failed and you have overcome that you have learned how to overcome and that is why you can do this work
1: yeah. that
0: this is not that your ending moment here this isn't it yeah this is the beginning
1: yeah and realizing, too, that, I mean, no, despite how hard it is, eventually, most of the time, you find your smile again. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a, a unique thing to remember during a trial like that, because when the storms come, when it get, becomes difficult, when the dark days are there, and you're in the thick of it, you don't have that perspective. You don't usually see that. It's just hard. Um, but But my mom, I'll never forget when I got fired from a job when I was in high school, Erect an airplane wing into a hangar as as a lineman on, on an airfield got fired right on the spot, and she's I'll never forget it when she told me she said, "Listen, hard days are difficult, but they never last. Mm-hmm. They never last, and eventually," she said, "Clint, I promise you're going to find your smile again." Yeah. And I didn't want to hear that. That wasn't I didn't believe that, but how right she was, and I think it's it's remembering that during those difficult times, eventually, it's going to get better. It always gets better. It always, always gets better. It really does. It really does. And that's been a, a very, um, I don't know, just helpful piece of advice in those trials that as hard as it is, eventually, I've been able to find my smile in all the difficulties. And it sounds like in this instance, you have also found your smile again, and it gets better. It always gets better.
0: It does get better. And in some weird way, it gets easier, not because the struggle is easy. There's always new struggles, new hardships, new things you couldn't have expected in life. But when you go through hard things, you have the tools to navigate it next time, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, these other hard times, these three things really worked for me, you know, and or these four things or reaching out to this person or whatever it is, you have something to rely on to know that, yes, you made it through every single hard day and you actually have a roadmap. You've already built of how to do it.
1: You did it. Yep. 100%. It creates a a unique perspective
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: that over time, that failure, right? If you have a life that isn't full of some failure in some degree, I mean, the perspective that you would have is so different than, than those that have experienced that failure and, ultimately, I think failure is a part of any great story. Mm-hmm. The struggle, the difficulty, you look at any great story and and most of the story is created based upon the struggle that somebody overcame or, or endured or just even experienced, whether they endured it or not. It's a part of the story. It's a part of life and realize that it's, that if it hasn't happened, it will. One day your number will get called. Your number will get picked and you're going to have a hard time and life is going to be, it's going to be rough to some extent, but realize that that's just a part of the journey and the perspective of what you will gain after that is going to be life-changing.
0: Yep. I have a, a good friend that one time was going through something really hard and she could only say this to me because we're good friends, but she said, prashant I'm just so excited for you.
1: That's like, what? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm just so excited for you. I can't wait to see what you learn from this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a sick way of looking at it, but it's true, right? Like, (laughs) kind of, like, yeah, like that overly optimistic person in a time of just hardship and difficulty. But there's some truth to it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, she
0: could only say it because she knew me and she loved me and she knew I I do. I'm the kind when I'm failing, I'm like, i very similar to you. Like, what can I learn? How can I, like, what are all the things to pull from this? Because I want to make sure I have every tool available for me and for those I love. So I'm pulling all the things and she knew that about me. So she was just, I'm so excited for you. It's not what I wanted to hear,
1: Yeah, but she was right. That was was kind of one of those memes that was going on during COVID, right? Like never waste a a good a good crisis never waste a good pandemic and it's kind of true like we learned a lot even in COVID right COVID-19 you look down at that time and my our industry as as speakers everything shut down everything shut down and through that time you could you could either get busy living or you could get busy dying in our industry and those that got busy living and and put forth some effort and saw the silver lining and and went to work right yeah, you can either sit and stew, or you can go and do. And I believe, and always have believed, that God can't steer a parked car. And whether people believe in God or not, I do, and that that resonates with me. That I've got to move. I've got to move. I've got to move. Opportunity is is just a, a a collection of of moments of things that you. Here's a better way to say it. Your future is just. Um, it's just a sequence. Uh, it's a sequence of what you do right now is all strung together. Mm-hmm. That's what your future is. Mm-hmm. Your future is just a bunch of what you do right now is all strung together.
0: Yep.
1: And now that we look back on that time, as difficult as it was, most speakers have come out on top. Most of us have come out with virtual studios and a whole new tool set and and abilities that we never had before. Um, new revenue streams uh, new friends new opportunities new clients uh, because of that difficulty and so yeah you can get busy living or you can get busy dying and I'd rather live <laughs>
0: yeah right always want to live there's you know like you said there's so many memes and things but always that in 10 years this moment, what happens from this moment in 10 years? Are you going to regret it? Or are you going to be so proud of what you chose in this moment in 10 years?
1: Yeah. And when you're talking heart. about
0: fear and whatnot, that's like the big one. Are you so scared that in 10 years you're okay with the, not doing it?
1: Yeah. Oh, even Mark Twain was the one that said 10 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the things that you did do. Yeah. And so, yeah. It right that's a yeah you, that's what's again another good reminder is you hold the pen right all of us hold the pen and we get the opportunity to write a story every day and and that story is just again a, a, a collection of day by day little by little these moments that we choose to create over time that makes a little a lot yep. So,
0: and circling full circle to what you said about like the the stories that that we really love are the ones where that we overcome the most So when you're writing your story, when you're really thinking about who you are and where you've come from, what makes you the hero of your own story is going through those moments and choosing the bravery, choosing the overcoming, choosing the relationships, even when it's hard because you believe in those things, you know, choosing hope and belief and purpose. That's the hero story every time.
1: And most people, Bridget, I've found don't take the time to write the story out. They live the story day by day, and they're living a story by default instead of the story by design, like taking the opportunity to really methodically write it out, plan it out, uh, systemize it. What are the procedures? What are the steps? Okay, here's the overall goal. This is what I would love for it to look like. How do we make this happen? And how do you break it down into a prescriptive bite-sized plan that works and it's tested? And it's proven by other people that have also lived and are doing the plan that you want to create. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just, there's different ways to, I call it designing the E.T. I know that sounds a little bit weird. I love <laughs> E.T. I think, I think E.T. is one of the greatest films that was ever made. Have you seen E.T.?
0: Yes. And actually the first time I heard you speak, you had E.T. with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You remember <laughs> that, right? So you you remember this story, right? Uh, Carlo, Rambaldi, Carlo Rambaldi, he's the guy that created E.T., and ET was the the highest grossing film in production history for eleven years running. It's number one film in in the world. Uh, it, it grossed like six billion dollars on the film, like just iconic. And you would watch it today, and it's still timeless. But really, the magic of the whole show was ET. Mm-hmm. Without ET, they, they, it just doesn't it doesn't work. And Carlo Rambaldi, who created ET, uh, he did it in a way that he was so obsessive about the details. And methodical about creating something in a way that was completely thought out, totally planned, um, very um, well crafted to the point where it was believable. It was magic. It worked. And it worked in a way that still works today. And so are we are we doing that? Are we creating the ET? Are we designing something that is 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 that thought out or are we just living day by day? and and playing defense mm-hmm. most days and a lot of people are and everybody's in a different spot in their life but man the moment you you take the pen and you really start to write not just live the story but write the story and then every day you're living within the bounds of what that story has already been written towards what that story already leads to that's that's living life differently that's that's when you become a meaningful specific, not a, a wandering generality. And we need more we need more of that. That's when life becomes significant, not just something you exist in.
0: Yes, that is living life with full intention.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I agree. Oh, yeah. Not
0: enough of that going on in the world. So much more reaction mm-hmm. and reaction's just not the place to live. You're never going to get where you want in that place.
1: Yeah. What an uncontrollable place to to, to live in, mm-hmm. right? If you're just constantly reacting, I mean, that's, you're out of control. You're out of con- There's no control there. It's just, you're letting things happen to you instead of you happening to certain things in your life. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting because I know you do a ton of coaching with corporations, big corporations and whatnot. When I coach with leaders, that's one of the things I specifically talk with them about is that their employees want control that they need to feel like they have a sense of control. And a lot of times when they're reacting in this way that's causing distress in a company, it's because um, they don't feel like they're in control in any way of what they're doing. And they're just mm-hmm. reacting and they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you bring that up because this is something I found that's true in all life, not just companies, it's in, within your homes and within in yourself. If you don't feel like you have control of a situation, big emotions come out and they're not usually serving anyone.
1: Yeah, totally. If we could learn in life to to be in control, especially in difficult times, what a different world this would be. Mm-hmm. I love Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if you've read that book.
0: So it's on my nightstand right now.
1: Awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it is a beautiful book about when life, like just when everything that could hit the fan and and the most horrifying, horrific, hard and difficult things that hopefully none of us will ever experience in this world mm-hmm. ever again. Um, he noticed, he saw two different types of people, those that lost their minds and were were very reactive and focused on just everything that was happening to them versus those that stayed in control Mm -hmm. and maintained a perspective that ultimately allowed many people to live and to thrive in a time where most people were just striving to survive. Yeah, Uh, How do we thrive, not just survive in, in life? And yeah, if you haven't read that book, to anybody that's listening, Man's Search for Meaning, it's great. Victor Frankl.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny you bring that up. I actually think that if you're not sure which person you are, look at COVID. How did you handle it? What emotions did you feel? Because you don't have to be, if you're in the category of you were just reacting mm-hmm. and just surviving, you don't have to stay there. That doesn't have to be who you
1: are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you bring up a really great point, right? As hard and difficult as certain things can be, or maybe certain things have been for you in the past, or you do look back on COVID and you were a wreck. You were a (laughs) like, okay, learn from it, learn from it and and realize, okay, how can I do a little bit better? What what did that teach me? How can I now learn to be a little more controlled and collective and researched and peaceful in a time of frustration?
0: Yeah. I always jokingly refer to it as, uh, for myself, Brigitte 2.0. Like I know just regular Bridgette, she is not always awesome. She does react. She gets frustrated easily, but Bridgette 2.0 is focused. She's yeah. powerful. She knows what she's doing, right? Like and w- sometimes I exist in both worlds. I flip back and forth, but when I'm living my best life, Bridgette 2.0, she's on 90% of the time and she's yeah. going, you yeah. know?
1: And just that you have that that self-actualization that you have that realization about yourself is powerful because most people don't even realize uh, that they have a 1.0 or a 2.0, right? Like They don't even realize that. And so the fact that you even focus on that and understand that is powerful.
0: Well, that's why the strong and capable exist. We're trying, I always joke, I'm like just trying to change the world by teaching people who they are and how to work through these things. That's it.
1: <laughs> yep. Totally. It's amazing. You're doing great work.
0: Thank you. Well, I have loved loved having you come on here. It's just been so calm and refreshing and um, I love your stories. I love who you are and the good that you're doing in the world. I know the audiences want uh, the audience is gonna want to connect with you. How can they find you?
1: Yeah, Clintpulver.com is the website and then all of the social media channels just under Clint Pulver. And yeah, happy to connect with anybody.
0: Yes, and you're gonna give away a book
1: right? Yeah. yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. So how do you want to do the giveaway? It
1: would be fun if somebody, you know, shot me a message on Instagram, they listen to the show. And and I'd love to hear from somebody that's maybe in the thick of something. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear the specific plan that they have that's helping them to get out of it. What are they doing to design the, the ET quote unquote right. um, to, to live a better story? That's what I would love to hear. So reach out to me on Instagram, shoot me that message, and we'll send you a book.
0: Okay. You hear it. You hear the mission. Go do it. Go message Clint. I love it. Thank you so much, Clint.
1: Yeah, You're welcome, Bridget. Thank you. So
0: I love connecting with you. Come find me on Instagram at Bridgette.Heller, B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E dot H-E-L-L-E-R, and of course the website, www.thestrongandcapable.com. Now if you're ready to take your business and your life to the next level, you can hire me as your coach, join me in the Queen's Circle, which meets monthly, or invite me to speak at your events. And please don't forget, friend, you are strong and capable.